0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Godly Grunt Podcast, where we train soldiers to be better Christians and Christians to be better soldiers. I am your host, John Cooper, coming to you from Niagara Falls, New York. And uh, it's a beautiful summer here as it's ending up. Uh, It's been nice here. And so we don't don't get good weather much (laughs) up in the north uh, countries, a lot of you guys know. So it's better than Fort Drum where I was at. I was in the Army, but um, it has been beautiful out, so I'm taking some time inside now to uh, to record this. So we've been going through a series called Voting with an Open Bible, and this is a series I'll be teaching at my church. As I've said before, Niagara Community Church in Niagara Falls, and uh, we've been taking topics that are in our, uh, in our world, and we've been breaking them down uh, to what the Bible has to say about them. Not here to tell you to vote Republican or Democrat, but I'm here to, here to influence you in a way that you say, what does God's word say about these issues of our day? And so we've already looked at a few and before we've gotten into actual topics of our, um, political sphere here in America, uh, we've been just going through the first session was a sermon on what is true freedom. The second was a, um, look at what is God's role for government. The third was a look at what are our rights? What are these rights that are given to us by God, these freedoms? Um, we see that as kind of a reverse look at the Ten Commandments. What are the Ten Commandments, you know, defending against? What is that law preventing? And now we're going to do our last kind of introductory uh, session, session four here, uh, which is what is the Christian's response to government? What is the Christian's response to government? And so, um, I believe that there's there's four responses that we're supposed to give to our governing authorities, and and there's more when you get into details, but we're just looking at the four, the four big ones, the four main ones. And uh, we hear a lot about how people think we are supposed to act as Christians, but our answers need to be rooted in God's word. And so that's what we're going to look at here, and we're really just going to jump right into it and the first response is respect or submission our first response to governing authorities is respect or submission and the main passage uh quoted uh to to show this is romans 13 1 through 2 where it's every person is to be in subjection to governing authorities for there is no authority except from god and those which exist have been appointed by god therefore whoever resists that authority has opposed the ordinance of god and they who have a, who have opposed will receive condemnation unto themselves. Now, like I said, this is the most quoted uh, verse in how Christians interact with government. I believe that there are better ones, and we'll get into that uh, as we go through. But we are to have a position of submission to our government. because as we've looked at before, God is actually the one who established government. It's one of his ministries, and we've talked about on here is it's a ministry of the sort. And so since God has established it, in verse 5 here in Romans 13, we, we see that we, we don't just submit because it's the way God executes his wrath, but it's also for our own conscience' sake. We have, we have a law, we have order for our own conscience. And when dealing with governing authorities, our posture needs to be that of respect. Um, even if they are wrong, we're still to be respectful. When David's being pursued by Saul... Um, he has an opportunity to assassinate Saul, and he and he wouldn't. And he says, stretch out. He wouldn't. What he says is, stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed. First Samuel twenty four six. He wouldn't take that step uh, to do that because he had a general respect um, for Saul and for the fact that the Lord had put him in power. First Six and seven of Romans thirteen echo this. Uh, for because of this, you pay taxes. For the rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all that are due them taxes who taxes due, custom who custom is due, fear to whom fear is due, and honor to whom honor is due. It's a respectful posture. As a Christian, I'm I'm to live a peaceful and quiet life. I'm not supposed to be rabble rousing. I'm supposed to be, uh, having a posture of respect towards others. Um, even when I don't respect them, I'm to have this posture of, you know, it's it's a police officer. I'm going to respect the police officer. It's a politician, sir or ma'am. Uh, if it's the mayor, you know, I may not like the mayor of any given town. Right. But it's, um, Mr. Mayor, it's Mr. Governor. You know, we we show our respect and honor to those who serve the public in this ministry that God has set up, even if we disagree with them. Now, that doesn't mean we have to never tell them what we think. (laughs) That doesn't mean we're not bold in the face of them, but it does mean that we show some respect. But then there's an obvious question that arises. We are to be submissive to the government. What happens when the government tells us to do evil or when it orders us to disobey God? So if we're to follow, if we're to respect, if we're to honor that government that God set up, when they tell us to do something against God's will, or they themselves are completely against God's will, well, what do we do? What do we do? And and the second thing is we go from respect to resistance. Respect to resistance. This is seen clearly when you look at the life of Paul and Peter, who are two apostles who wrote about submission, both of them. Though Paul would say that we are to be submissive to authorities, he himself would not be constantly, or excuse me, he himself would be constantly chased by the authorities. He's saying to have a submissive posture too not only would the jews try to stop his ministry through their pursuit or <clears throat> through their pursuit and imprisonments for sharing the gospel but the gentiles would try to do the same to him and this would ultimately end up with him being beheaded in rome so how could paul tell us to submit and yet seemingly not submit himself Was Paul in sin when he resisted these governing authorities? And this is why I do believe that Romans 13 is not the best passage to look at when we are looking as Christians to how we are respond to our governments. Instead, I would like us to look at what Jesus says to the Pharisees, Herodians, and his disciples when asked a similar question. He says this in Mark 12, 13 through 17. Then they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to him in order to trap him in a statement. And they came and said, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and defer to no one. Uh, You are not partial to any, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to pay a tax to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, talking about Christ, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, Why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius to look at. And they brought one. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God, the things that are God. And they were amazed. Typically, when this passage of scripture is preached in churches. The application that's given is pay your taxes, (laughs) I've heard this sermon preached probably three times in my life and or out of this passage. And the majority of people, what they take out of it is um, see, you're not supposed to evade your taxes, pay your taxes, pay your taxes to the government. But what I don't understand when I see that as the main application is why were people so amazed? At this. Well, why is it so amazing? We miss the phenomenal truth that's here when that's the only application that we take. When Jesus looks at the coin, what does he ask? He asks, whose image is it, is it in? And when they said, Caesar, and your reply is to give it to Caesar. Again, I don't really understand why people would marvel at that. The reason is they are not marveling at that, <laughs> but at the implied. what's well, implied in the next statement. Because if we look at, and God, the things that are God's, what's implied? What's in God's image? If the coin's in Caesar's image, then what's God's is what's in God's image. Well, what is in God's image? It's us. It's me. It's my wife. It's my children. We are in God's image. The state, civil authorities, the government, the United States of America, New York, whatever state you're from, they do not own you. God does. And when we look at how we are to decide. When we are to resist, we need to keep this in mind. When the government starts to dictate you as a person, that is not their role. That is God's. As in God's image, our bodies are his temples. And our worship <clears throat> and our worship, excuse me, both in thought and deed, are to be dictated to God. So when the government starts telling us how we are to think, how we are to act. What we are to put into our bodies, how we are to think, how we ought to worship, well, they're out of line. When the government calls us to be their apostles, they're out of line. Paul did not just resist when it came to the preaching of the word of God, but when the government overstepped its bounds and wrongfully treated him as a Roman citizen in Acts 16 37 to 39. We look at the edicts. um, When we look at the edicts of a government as Christians, we are to balance it with what he is saying, what was being said here in Acts 5. This is what we're supposed to think. But Peter and the apostles answered and said, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you put to death by hanging him on a tree. This one, God exalted to his right hand as leader and a savior and granted repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God gave to those who obey him. We must remember that we obey God over man. That may come at great risk someday. But that is our calling. Now i am by no means hear me i am by no means saying we should arm up and resist the government or that we are to be trying to overthrow or starting a militia to do so I don't, that's not me that's not what i'm saying i'm saying there are times as christians where the government is going may come as it has happened in other countries and say You must do this, or you must think this, or you must stop preaching this, or you must have this in your church. You must do this. They have to wear this in your church. You have to get this in your body. And you say, no, I cannot do that. And that may cost us jail. That may cost us imprisonment. The government labels us as extremists because of our belief. We must resist when when the president of the United States goes on a stage last night <clears throat> and says that those who are against abortion are extremists and the enemies of our of our republic. Well, we must resist. And again, I'm not talking about raising up an army and doing armed resistance stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about, we must obey God over man. We have to keep this in mind. I'm not reinforcing this point. So, you know, the government is not always right. God is always right. They need to be kept in check with God. They are not God. It is within the will of God for the family and church to push back on the government when they are going outside their delegated sphere, as we talked about in the first session. God gives equal authority to the family and church for their lanes, and when the civil government tries to step in and delegate what the family and church are to do, that is when the people of God must put them in check. They must. And that brings us to our third response. So we've seen that we are to respect. And we've seen that we are at sometimes called to resist. And now our third response is repentance. As a church, both as elders in a local congregation and the big C church, which is all Christians, we are to call the governing authorities to repent for their wrongdoings. We are to call the government to its proper roles. And when they step outside those God-ordained roles, we are to call them to repent. Repent. We see this throughout the ministry of the prophets in the Old Testament, the apostles, and Christ himself. There's one instance I want to focus on here, and that's Mark 6, 17-20. says this, For Herod himself had sent <clears throat> and had John arrested, talking about John the Baptist, and bound in prison on account of the Herod- Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Now Herodias was holding a grudge against him and wanting to put him to death and was not able, for Herod was afraid of John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he was keeping him safe, and when he heard him, he was very perplexed, but he used to enjoy listening to him. John the Baptist confronted Herod for what he was doing that was not lawful. This would cost him his life because it angered the political elite. How many, quote, Christian leaders have we heard that have hidden away, afraid to call out the unrighteous deeds of a culture and political leaders promoting the demonic and sick LGBTQ agenda and genocide of the unborn? As Christians, we are to be bold, we are to be respectful but we are to be bold. Psalm 2 talks about this. Psalm 2, 10 through 12. It says this, So now, O king, show insight. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Serve Yahweh with fear and trembling. Excuse me, fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He become angry and you perish in your way. For his wrath may soon be kindled, kindled. How blessed are those who take refuge in him. We are to be respect, respectful and pursue lives of peaceful submission to God. In that submission to God, we are to be submissive to the leaders that he has sent over us. However, the main job of a Christian, especially the leaders and elders of churches, is to call government and every person to repentance. That is the main job i want to read first kings 1 22, and it's it's kind of a interesting story i'm going to read up to verse 28 and I'll make comments as we go along so for three years syria and israel continued without war but in the third year jehoshaphat king of judah came down to the king of israel and the king of israel said to his servants do you know that ramoth gilead belongs to us And we keep quiet and do not take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. And he said to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to battle at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king, I am as sure I am as you are. My people are as your people and my horses are as your horses. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, inquire first of the word of the Lord. Smart. (laughs) And the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men. And they said to him, Shall I go to battle against uh, Ramoth-Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for the Lord will give it into your hand, O king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here any prophet of the Lord whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel said Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imlah. But I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, only evil. I'm going to pause there. So we see here that Josaphat sees what's going on. He sees 400 prophets that are continually just giving uh, Ahab what he wants to hear. (laughs) How many preachers out there are that right now? How many Christians are that right now? They're just giving you what you want to hear. I, I see Christians that I went to Bible college with. And they just they just go with what the world's saying and they say but but God says he loves, and they ignore everything else in the Bible, and they don't call the culture to repentance. Messiah was someone who continually, it seems, was not giving Ahab the news he wanted because he was being pure to the word of the Lord. So, we see that the king of Israel summoned an officer to bring Micaiah quickly to him. Now, the king of Israel and Josaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes, at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets were prophesying before them. So, they're in an impressive state. They're... What they're looking at, it's an impressive. They're on their thrones and it's the prophets are in front of them. They got the favored seat, right? This is the pastor who gets invited into the Oval Office to speak. And he's able to to wheel and deal with the two most powerful men in, in, in the area. And they even get to the point where it says "And Zedekiah, the son of Shenaniah made for himself horns of iron and said, thus says the Lord with these, you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied go up to Ramoth Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give you into the hand. They're giving him exactly what he wants to hear. And the messenger who went and summoned of Micaiah said that said to him, behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. So now this servant comes. He probably knows that anytime Ahiah comes up there and speaks, it's it's against Ahab. And his response is perfect because he's being pressured right now. He's being pressured to go along with the flow. He says, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Now, the rest of the story goes into this really is awesome description of the sovereignty of God and how the Lord allowed a lying spirit to come in and prophesied for Ahab to go up. And he just lets them know, look, I want you to go up there because you're going to die in battle. And then Ahab doesn't listen. And that final warning. And he does. And he goes up and dies in battle. But what I really want to focus on here is as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak as pastors, as Christians, as Christian leaders, as men. What the Lord says to us is what we should speak. We shouldn't be concerned about what people think, about their opinions, opinions of us. John Knox, when he was buried, they said, here lies a man who feared no flesh. And the reason he feared no flesh is because he has such a fear of God. Do we live that way? Do we call our leaders to repentance or do we just want to be in front of their throne making horns saying, with this you'll win, with that you'll win? And just giving leaders what they want to hear so that way we can have our two seconds of fame. We can have the blue check mark on our social media. We can have a thousand more followers. Or do we preach to an audience of one? And that's God being faithful. We need to preach repentance to no matter who it is, come what may. After the pull out of Afghanistan, I personally have a disdain for politicians part of my work at the Naira gospel mission is I have to work with them and invite them to um, some of our events and things like that that we're doing for the community. And it's, it's a ministry we that we get to minister to them too, is we boldly proclaim the gospel. Um, but I have to get aside my natural disdain for politicians. Um, and I know that, majority of them had nothing to do with that decision, the vast majority, and probably none of the ones I interact with had anything to do with it. But it just left such a bad taste in my mouth. And what we've seen over the past few years is the, the political divide, the divisiveness, the, the hatred towards each other. It just really does leave a bad taste in my mouth. I think a lot of us are that way. A lot of us see our government leaders and there's just a disdain. For lack of a better term. And that leads us to our last interaction we are to have with the government or way we're to view the government, our response to the government. We've looked at respect. We looked at with that respect, sometimes there does come resistance as Christians. We've looked at with that resistance that, that what that resistance is is not necessarily armed conflict, but it is calling the government to repentance. But lastly, it's prayer. Prayer for our government. We are to be constantly praying for our leaders. That they would make decisions that would allow us to live freely. That that they would allow us to live those peaceful and quiet lives, just sharing the gospel with those around us. That they would defend people, that they would help people, that they would punish evil and promote good. And most importantly, that they would come to salvation. If they're not already saved, that they would repent of their sins and come to Christ. That they would be born again. That should be our prayer. That should be our response to the governing authorities. In America, we're fortunate enough to have a political system that we are in. The president is not our king. The governor is not our prince or lord. Our highest form of government in this country, our highest form of government in this country is not to be voted on or in the highest form of government in this country is the Constitution of the United States. We are beyond blessed to have founders who did not set up a dictator, but a document. When you look for leaders who fulfill their God-given duties, look to those who will establish and uphold the document of the Constitution. Don't look to those who dishonor it, who just blatantly do things against it but rather those who want to hold to it. Because at the end of the day, in this land, it's God who rules and the constitution that governs. God is king. Christ is king. And we are to submit to his kingship. That's what we're called to do. And so... I want to encourage you, uh, if you don't already follow us on social media, you can find us on Facebook or Instagram, The Godly Grunts. There you can get the links to our websites. Um, we also put out the Liberty Catechism, as well as pieces of the Constitution every week uh, through there. And so I strongly encourage you to go to that. If you are looking for a church in the Niagara Falls area, Niagara Community Church is where I'm one of the pastors. Uh, we'd love to have you love to have you out and um and really love on you we we have a strong commitment to veterans is this podcast godly grunts it's kind of a military type podcast um and we have a veteran support group that's run through the niagara gospel mission that meets here where i i am the director of development for and we do it starts september 19th at niagara community church 6 30 PM. And we have a Christ centered support group, fellowship, camaraderie, camaraderie in Christ uh, just trying to get together and encourage one, you know, one another every other week. Uh, so we have that. Um, also the Niagara gospel mission and the Godly grunts podcast have teamed up and we're doing a veteran shelter there. And so we have a eight bed emergency shelter for veterans um, that are homeless in the Niagara Falls area. So if you guys keep that in prayer, if you'd like to support that effort, it takes $25 a day to uh, house a homeless veteran. Uh, obviously, we don't charge that to them. We depend on loyal donors like yourself. And so if you'd like to support this ministry, if you'd like to support uh, the Ministry to Homeless Veterans, please consider donating to the Niagara Gospel Mission. And so with that, uh, that's really all I have uh, for today. I hope you enjoyed Hope you vote with an open Bible and hope you climb for his glory.